We're going to have a prayer before we start the service because we do need it for our nation, don't we? As we see what's happening around our country. So let's go before the Lord at this time. Heavenly Father, we do not have to go far into your word to find that men of old of the nation of Israel prayed earnestly for their countries when they were in spiritual decline. We thank you for the prophets who spoke these words, though they were mocked, some stoned. The people did not want to hear what they had to say, but they nonetheless prayed earnestly for their people and their country. And we today, Lord, do pray for the country in which we live. We have been blessed even as the song we sung, the anthem just said. We have things, minerals and oil and gas and abundant land more than most countries. But Lord, what have we done with these blessings that we have? How have we responded to you in gratefulness and thankfulness? And Lord, we as Daniel prayed when he saw that the nation was going back from Babylon to Israel, prayed earnestly for them. And the most wonderful answer came in the form of an angel and great revelation of history to come. Lord, we pray for our country. We have forsaken your ways and every man that does that which is right in his own eyes. We have forged lies to believe in, that of evolution and denying God. In many ways we have done this. We have forgotten your word in the pulpits of this country, Lord, it's a shame, but the word of God most often is not preached. Though we have all these abundant blessings, this is the way we have responded. Lord, we've gone further and forbidden your word. If we speak on certain subjects, we could be had in court. But let us speak anyway. For the word of God is true and everlasting and not one jot nor tittle shall fail till it is all fulfilled. Lord, some of us here remember the day when the word of God was spoken in the schools of the country where scripture classes were encouraged and all went to them. But now they're trying to squeeze those out too. Lord, Fancy forbidding that from whom, from which we have had great blessings in our past and could in the future. We have, Lord, done these things. I pray that you would forgive us, Lord, and we as Christians might hold the banner of truth, the word of God high in this land and people's hearts would be turned back to you. 
I pray, Lord, that you would not forsake us as you forsook Israel. And Lord, with all the recent events, it may be a a wake-up call to us, Australians, that we need to get back to the principles and precepts of the Word of God. We are not Israel, but we are a nation. And when the leaders forsake the way of God, the people follow and the people love to have it so. Lord, we know that you in the past answered the prayer of a righteous man, Abraham, when he prayed for Sodom. If there be ten righteous, will you save the city? And you said you would, but there weren't ten righteous. I pray, Lord, that you would save our country from physical, financial and moral ruin and that we might turn back to you and give you thanks for what you've done, for what you've blessed us with. And Lord, that we might be able to send out people to other countries as missionaries to help them to know the way of God. Lead us in your plain path in the scriptures today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We have shared two messages on the scriptures and the importance of knowing them, obeying them and living them. Have you been in the book? Have you, since we preached those two, maybe changed some habits to get into the Word of God? It's the only thing that will help our country is if Christians get right. Because the non-Christians are not going to go there until they get saved. It's our responsibility as Christians. And if we fail in this area and we don't know what God has said, what hope is there for those that are unsaved? And really, the moral stance of our country is governed by Christians. And if we don't, they won't know the Word of God. Let's be in the Word. I pray that it has challenged you as we preached on two messages and the third this morning about how to know God through the Scriptures. Have you ever searched for something that you've lost and it was valuable to you? You searched and searched and searched and it's so frustrating when you can't find it. Sometimes it's right under your nose. (laughs) The Bible says in John 5.39 that we are to search the scriptures. Something valuable that's been lost in our country. Something we need to take heed to. I remember way back in the days when we had Murrindindi, the campsite down there. It, uh, Jill and I were, I don't think we were even engaged. You had a friendship, Jill had a friendship ring that somehow got lost at Murrindindi. Now, it was 80 acres, and, but we knew thereabouts where we'd been, up the sheep track from the buildings up the top down to the, the lake, the dam at the bottom. We'd been there and uh, we thought, we'll hunt for this 
friendship ring in such a place <laughs> was on the sheep track. There's a sheep track that every, all the children walked up and down anyway to, to get to the dam where the sheep used to. <clears throat> and we did find it, didn't we? Yeah. Still there? Yep, still got it. <laughs> but it was precious. I remember John Flack was there helping us search, the three of us. And it's a miracle that we found it because it's dirt, dust, just like a paddock today. <laughs> and um, found that. But it was worth looking for. The sentimental value of it, it was worth looking for. And folks, it's worth searching the scriptures. <laughs> it's worth reading the word. It will pay eternal dividends to you. If you, in your families and in your personal life, read the scriptures. Read the scriptures. <clears throat> First Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. We won't turn there. But in Samuel's early days, it reads there, God's word was rare or was precious in those days. In, it was rare. The prophet well, the priest had stopped preaching it. <clears throat> he hadn't even led his children in the right way, Eli and his children. But it was a precious thing to find the word in that day. In Amos chapter 8, and we will turn to this, <clears throat> he's the third minor prophet just after Daniel. Isaiah, Joel, Amos, you have there in chapter 8 and verse 11. And a few verses following. <clears throat> Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, but nor of thirst for water. Uh, we've got those. <laughs> but the hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea. That's 80 kilometers in Israel, from Galilee to the Mediterranean. And if you go the other way, it's about, well, you, yeah, you can't get to the sea one way. They shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east, and shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. It, is a, it was a rare thing. There was a famine in the land. And it brings on a spiritual famine in the land. <clears throat> and I think we're in the days in Australia that that verse is applicable. There's a famine in the land. Let's turn to the book of Job. The book of Job, chapter 11, and verses 7 and 9. 7 through to 9. We read there, <clears throat> Canst thou by ser searching find out God? We've been told from John 5.39 we need to search the scriptures. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou, canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is, a, it is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure of it is longer than the earth and broader than, <clears throat> than the sea. Yes, we can find out God, little by little, piece by piece, here a bit, there a bit, 
line upon line, precept upon precept. You build on the knowledge you have. You don't introduce a child to algebra until he gets to whatever year. Eight, something, I think they start it. You start him with one and one equals two. And so in the Christian life, we hear a little, there a little. Build upon the knowledge that we have to know the Lord by searching the word of God and by experiencing. And I remember in Bible college days that there was a lot of facts thrown at us, well, not thrown at us, ministered to us. But you can't keep up with life's experience with all the things you learn. And that's the danger of Bible college. You become intellectually minded with the truth of the word, but you're not practically putting it into life because you can't live that much in that shorter time. But nonetheless, the time was spent there. And then you, we, through experience, learn about the, how it's put into practice. What's the answer to this question? Searching the scriptures. I believe it's partly given in Isaiah 40 verse 28 where it reads, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. (laughs) We can search but never plummet the depths of who God is. And as you read the word of God, does it not have that effect upon you? That you say, how can I remember all these things? How can I know all these things? Let alone, how can I live all these things? There's no plummeting the depths. The best way to come to know God is by searching the scriptures. As it tells us, and we've referred to it in John 5 and verse 39. Let's go back to the reading that we had from John 14. John 14. This is a statement that Philip asked after you have those, that wonderful chapter about the Lord telling them about, I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am there ye may be also, as we know in verses 1 to 6. And we read in verse 7, If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long a time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, then show us the Father? And so this is a statement that Philip made here. (laughs) Show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus' response, there was the request and there was the response of the Lord in verses 9 to 11. And then it was a result in verses 12 to 15. You know the Father right now, Philip. (laughs) And Philip's were, what? (laughs) Do we have to wait until we enter heaven's glory? To get to know the Father? No. Neither did they. We can know him today. We can receive from him spiritual resources we need to keep going in the difficult days that we face down here on earth. 
What does it mean to know the Father? To know the Father. The word know is used in John's Gospel 141 times. It doesn't always carry the same meaning. In fact, there are four different meanings, it's been said, to knowing in the Gospel of John. The first level is simple knowing, simply knowing a fact. The devil knows that God exists. The devil knows there's a hell. The devil knows a lot about the Bible. He knows a fact. The next level is to understand the truth behind the fact and the power behind God. However, you can know the fact and know the truth behind it, but still be unsaved, lost in your sins. The third level of knowing introduces a relationship. To know means to believe in a person and become related to that person or to that individual. This is the way know is used over in John's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 3, where we read, And this is life eternal that ye might know that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That we might know him, not only in, as a fact and the things behind the fact that make it true, but know the individual in a relationship with him. In fact, in scripture, to know in this sense is used of a most intimate relationship that we can have in life in Genesis sorry, chapter 4 and verse 17, where Adam knew his wife. And that's an intimate relationship within the marriage. But there is a fourth to know. It means to have a deeper relationship with a person, a deeper communion than, than even that. It was this level that Paul mentioned when he was speaking in Philippians there that I might know him and the fellowship of his suffering and the things that he talked about there, to know the Lord. God wants us to know him. He's done everything possible that we might know him. He's revealed himself over, over the millennia in many different ways to many different people and basically through the nation of Israel. But he has revealed himself. I remember when I first started ministering here, I, was, I thought, what I'm going to do is to speak on when God came down. When God came down. Interesting thing, as you look at the scriptures, when God came down, you say, well, he's, he's everywhere present. Yeah. But for our, for our sake, he said, he came down and showed particular interest in that. He came down and walked with the first couple, Adam and Eve, in the garden. He came down. And then he came down when they'd sinned. And they weren't to be found, they were hiding. And, and, and you can go on through those major events in history when God said, I need to go down and visit those people. They're not doing the right thing. And folks, we're on the verge, we're on the cusp of him coming down again. He's, he, he, he is not going to let this world go on as a prodigal planet. He cannot because of his character. He cannot let it go on in that way. But the fourth way, to know, as Paul said there in Philippians, to know him and the fellowship of his suffering. That's Philippians 3 and verse 10 and around those verses there. And this is what John is talking about in John chapter 14. 
when Jesus said that knowing him and seeing him was the same as knowing and seeing the Father. And in, in this he was claiming to be God, the Lord was. From now on they would understand more and more about the Father, just as we in life grow more and more in knowledge, not only earthly knowledge but spiritual knowledge. And we can appreciate Philip's desire to know the Father. If you've come to know the Lord and you want to know God more and you have a real desire, a real relationship with him, you want to know what his will is for your life. And a lot of questions from young people at camp come that way. <laughs> they say, what is God's will for my life? You know, they haven't got a career. They're still studying. You, know, you just keep on living in obedience to what you know and the will of God will flow. <laughs> But if you are disobedient to God and his word, don't expect to know God or his will. And if we're not in the word of God, you know, some people want a, a magic wand. You know, just wave it over me, uh, counsellor or leader of the camp or, or preacher, and reveal. No, there is a step of obedience. Are you in the word? How can you know God if you're not? <clears throat> and so Philip desired to know. The burning desire in his heart, and it should be in the heart of every believer, to know God. Read his word. And the Greek construction of the question in chapter 14 and verse 10, where, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doth the works. It indicates in this verse that the Lord expected a yes answer from Philip. He did believe that Jesus was in the Father and the Father in him. That being the case, Philip should have realised that the words that Jesus said and his works came from the Father and if the Father were there, the Father would have done the same because he is of the Father. And believers today have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Though we desire to see him, one day we will. But we see, we see his works and we read in his word what he has done. And as we covered there a few weeks ago there in, in Psalms 19 and Psalm 139, we look at the wonders he has, wonderful works he has done and then we go to the book, seek him out and find him and learn to know about him. And so search the scriptures. It's so important that we do that. Let's move into our outline at this time. We finally get there and we move quickly through it. How should we search the scriptures? Uh, as we've been told in John chapter 5 and verse 39. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to answer the question, because I, I wouldn't want to embarrass folk. But when is the last time you searched the scriptures? You had a burning desire to know God. You had a burning to know, desire to know his will. Uh, folk, this church will only go as high as the people of the church get into the scriptures of God. That's how, how high we'll go or how low we'll go if we put the Bible on the shelf and don't read it. Are we in the book? When is it last time you searched the scriptures? You, you got there and you found something and it was a burning desire to know all about this truth. 
You see, the truth of God on any particular subject is not revealed in one verse. The truth on any subject is revealed through the scriptures. This, was a book, this is a book that's written over thousands of years by inspired men of God as they were inspired by the Spirit of God to write the Word of God and they were experiencing it in their life and so you search right through to find the answer to particular questions that we might understand who God is and what he has done. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7. How we should search the scriptures? We should search the scriptures with sincerity. Chapter 7, verse 7 of the Gospel of Matthew, we read, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. If you are looking, God will show you. <laughs> and God will bring verses to mind. As a favorite verse of some folks, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. In the word you are and will be. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer to every man that asks your reason for the hope that is in you. You see, you've searched the scriptures, it's, you've locked it away. And so when you're talking to people, the verses will come out. Your searchings of the scripture will be evident to people around you. They'll know you know the book, they'll know you know God. Not just facts, but you know a person by the relationship you have with him. And it will be open to you. And everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. <laughs> That's a promise of God. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. What man is there of you who, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? No. If then... Ye be, uh, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good things to them that ask for him? Oh, a good thing is a mansion on a hilltop down here. A good thing is a big bank account. No, <laughs> it's spiritual things. More to be desired than this world's goods are the spiritual things of life, to know God and to prepare to meet him. Ha have you ever... It happened this week, actually. We had two South Australian folks come, families come past our house on the same day. It just happened that way. That hardly ever happens. <laughs> and <clears throat> one, I opened the door. It was in the morning, about 11, and we were expecting the others to come at 2, and there was a person standing there, and they said, Do you know me? <laughs> I said, uh, You've got an accent. <laughs> English, I think it was, wasn't it? And, and she kept on playing tricks. <laughs> yeah, you, you do know, man. Then she told me someone I knew that she knew. And I, ah, Mrs. Drew. <laughs> Mrs. Drew, Tim Drew's mum was there. standing. I hadn't seen her for 20 or something years. <laughs> and do you know me? <laughs> well, I really don't. <laughs> because I haven't been around you. I've not talked to you. I, I haven't seen you. And she didn't look much older than last time. <laughs> but she come to visit Jill's mum on the way through from Adelaide to Sydney or Canberra. And are we like that with God? You open the door, uh, uh, who are you? What are you? What are you knocking at my door for? Uh, I don't know you. And the Lord's standing there, do you know me? Isn't it real? And one day when we get to heaven and we're taken up into his presence... Which one's the Lord? No, I don't think it'll be like that, but 
It'll be like we don't know. And, and that's why in the scriptures it tells us we won't be ashamed before him at his coming. We will be ashamed if we don't get to know him down here. It's the most important relationship of all relationships that the person, the individual, I think it's even more important than husband and wife, that you know the Lord Jesus. Because if you both do it that way, you'll both be on the same page. Isn't that true? <laughs> With sincerity, ask and ye shall seek, you'll find. With industriousness. Don't read the scriptures with a preconceived religious idea. That makes us just as humanist, just as a humanist would be in putting his thoughts above God's. Read the word of God industriously. Take notes, underline, colour in, find the key verse. This morning I was going through about three o'clock. I just wake up, what's the use of sitting around and moaning about not sleeping? Get up and read the word. And I was underlining... Um, we have sinned. We have sinned. Ah, it's everywhere in the scripture. It's everywhere. We have sinned. Thinking of our of our nation, we have sinned. We need to get back to God. Jeremiah over chapter four and five of Jeremiah. We have sinned. Daniel in confessing the sins of his nation. Daniel chapter nine. We have sinned, and he got an answer from God. He didn't expect it, but the angel turned up and told him. You've, you're greatly beloved. Get into knowing industriously. Get searching the scriptures. Mark it out. Cross-reference it. And it is good to have a reference Bible. You know, some people say, oh, that's extra. Yeah, well, it is. Do you have commentaries in your shelf? You do, probably. Why do you use them <laughs> if you say you don't have a reference Bible? Where somebody has gone before you. You can stand on the shoulders of someone that's done all the work already. <laughs> They can refer, refer you to scriptures all over the Bible and you can, in a moment you can be there. You can use all sorts of tools that we have to industriously find out God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Now, why children? What does it say? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. With humility, we need to approach the scriptures. The intellectually vain can never succeed in the study of the scriptures. They think they know more than God, that they are wiser than God. Such a one may satisfy his preconceived opinions, but he cannot learn the mind and the spirit of God. Galatians tells us or warns us in chapter 6 and verse 3, when a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself and the truth is not in him. Come to the scriptures humbly saying, Lord, I don't know, I need to know. Show me your way, show me your will, show me what you're doing in my life and in this, the, the world's life, we could say in our country's life. Don't have a high opinion of your opinion. Because if it's, a, if it's a wrong opinion to start with, you're in big trouble. If you've got a high opinion of your opinion, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Not only with sincerity, with industriousness and with humility, but with diligence. With diligence. <clears throat> Let's turn to First Peter chapter 1. And here we find some men that search 
God's word diligently. And these people, these very people, had been talked to by God himself through inspiration and written the scriptures. And they realised, they were humble enough to realise, I don't know everything, I need to know. And 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 9, <clears throat> we read, Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired, and what did they do? Searched. Searched. How did they search? Diligently. You see, what, when you're down there and you're in your book and you're doing your devotions and you're reading it away and you start cross-referencing and then, oh, I've got to go. No. no yeah, okay, if you've got a job, you've got to go. You might not have a job if you don't go. But once the, the thought starts, don't finish till you get to the end of it. Uh, how many wives here have... No, I shouldn't ask that, should I? <laughs> How many wives have a half-finished house? I shouldn't ask that question because my wife will put her hand up. <laughs> Can't put her hand up. We got a rail on the stairs 30 years after we put the stairs in. We got it there, but... <laughs> you know that the time you best do the house is when you're about to sell it. <sighs> and you don't even get to use it. <laughs> Maybe... But <clears throat> diligently search. Get the job done. <laughs> Find the answer you're looking for. The Lord's inspired you, has pr prompted you to think about the things that you're thinking of and searching out the scriptures. You, I can be up here, I can preach 50 times or 150 times or 200 times a year a sermon, but what will stick in your mind and your heart and your life will be what you search out yourself. Not what I tell you from the pulpit. Well, yeah, it can be used. But it's just a jumping ground to get into things deeper. So search the scripture. I notice that the Sunday school teachers and the youth leaders, when they get to camp, are much better leaders because they've done it here and they've had exercise. And when they study the scriptures to present to the class, they themselves have to go a lot deeper than what they're presenting. They get a lot more out of it than what the students will. Do it that way, like you're presenting a class. You know, Pastor McConnell can't help himself. He's still preparing sermons after sermons, and he's using them. <laughs> but you, you can't get out of the habit. <laughs> it's such, you just love to get into the book. Oh, God looks down and he sees people, and he loves his children that love him enough to search the scriptures and to find answers. We do it with pleasure. We were on these prophets, weren't we? <laughs> they searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come to you. They were mentioning but didn't know what they were talking about. Searching. Again the word. Searching. Verse 11. What? Or what manner of time the Spirit of God, Christ who was in them, did signify when he testified aforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. They couldn't put them together. How could he die... Isaiah 53, and still be the king, the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things that are now reported. Pentecost happened. The Spirit came. The church started. 
unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the, ange the angels desire to have a look at too. If they're interested, how much more should we earthlings be interested in this? Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that's to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. With <clears throat> diligence, searching the scripture with pleasure and with prayer, with prayer. <clears throat> James 1.5 reads, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. As we search the scriptures, pray as you go in there. Lord, show me from your word the answer to these things that I have on my heart. The answer to knowing you and growing in you. In Psalm 119 verse 18, Open mine eyes, said the psalmist in prayer, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law, out of the scriptures. So how we should search the scriptures, why we should search the scriptures. <coughs> For they are that which they are they which testify of me. In John five and thirty-nine. <coughs> if we could go back to John's Gospel, we're in John fourteen as you gather, and John chapter five as well. <coughs> In them, them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. To believe in the scripture necessitates a belief in Christ. Jesus called this fact to the attention there of his hearers in verse 39, in the last half of that. And it tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 and 3, By this know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it should come even now already is present in the world. And so <clears throat> to believe in the scriptures necessitates a belief in Christ. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, don't bother searching the scripture. Because as it says in 1 Corinthians... The spiritual, the unspiritual, the unsaved person is blind to the truth of the word of God. It, he, he might intellectually be able to understand some, but he cannot have the revelation through the spirit teaching him as he reads the word of God. So you need to know Christ. You need to confess Christ. You need to be a Christian to understand the scriptures. So we should search the scriptures that we might know the mind of Christ. Christ was the end of the law, the substance of the prophets, the fulfillment of the promises, the scope of the types, and the embodiment of the Old Testament. The scripture types testify of the Lord Jesus Christ from cover to cover. The poem we shared, I think it was last week, some, or the week before, last week, about the Lord in the scriptures. Wherever I look in the Bible, I find the Lord of the Bible there. <laughs> In the sacrifices, do you find the Lord Jesus Christ? Absolutely. In the city of, cities of refuge, I've got a sermon on that, haven't preached it for a long time. <laughs> you find the Lord Jesus Christ a refuge. In the ark, whether it be the ark in the tabernacle or the ark of Noah, <laughs> you find safety and the Lord shut them in. <laughs> the Lord shut them in and when the Lord shuts you in, you're not going to get out. <laughs> You're not going to get yourself out and no one else can get you out as Romans chapter 8 tells us so. 
In the Passover, do you find the Lord Jesus? Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us very clearly in the New Testament. In, <coughs> sorry, in the serpent on, or the serpent on the pole in the wilderness, you see the Lord Jesus Christ. In the sacrifice that was given to clothe Adam and Eve after they'd sinned, you see the Lord Jesus Christ. We could be here all day, and I think every one of us could probably give a different one in the Old Testament and a reference of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the priests, he, what book in, yeah, come on, watch your Bible not. What book in the New Testament tells us about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Hebrews. Hebrews. It's right through it. It's all about that. Melchizedek, the and likened to Melchizedek, the high priest, without father, without mother, without beginning of days, without end of days. The priest that we have, the Lord Jesus. Uh, in the tabernacle, in the materials of the tabernacle, in the colours of the materials of the tabernacle, in the size of the boards and everything else, Jesus Christ is evident everywhere. So wherever you look in the Bible, you'll find the Lord of the book there. The Lord Jesus Christ, the kinsman redeemer, the rock of ages, the rock hewn out without hands in Daniel, cast at all the empires and smashing them to bits. Praise God when that all happens and is finished. And the Roman Empire forms and God smashes it to bits and then sets his own kingdom. Daniel, the rock of ages, the Lord Jesus is spoken about there. The scarlet cord in the window that we mentioned in that, in that poem last week. The law was given to show us the need of a saviour. The prophets foretold his birth and his life and his death. The poets spoke of him in poetic form. And it all points to one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. How to know God? Show us the Father. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <clears throat> we need to do... Let's turn to Acts. We'll, we'll go there. Acts chapter 17, not far from finished. Acts 17. <clears throat> I've come to appreciate this one a little bit lately. In Acts 17, verse 10 to 12, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea. So had Berea a church as yet? No, they were sent to Berea who coming there went into the synagogue of the Jews. So here they are on Saturday in the synagogue. Maybe it wasn't Saturday. No, went to the synagogue. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word in all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore many of them believed also of honourable women who were Greeks and of men not a few. Now, this is often referred to by Christians and saying, oh, <clears throat> I'm better than you. I study the word. Were these people saved people? No. They just got saved. Many believed. It's talking about unsaved people checking out that they're not going to believe in some cult or some heresy. And, and it could easily, and, and in, in context there, it talks about in the synagogue. So who's in the synagogue? Jews, not Gentiles. So specifically, and Gentiles got saved too here, but specifically to Jews. They would have been Old Testament believers. So they didn't want to get hoodwinked with this new Johnny-come-lately doctrine that had come down about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And they were going to check the Old Testament out to see if it was so. Good on them. And we need to do that. And when an unsafe person asks you a question, be ready to give an answer to them. Because they're not just going to believe because you said so. <laughs> they have to be moved by faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and make sure they're not getting into something they want to back out of later. And so these were noble in that they searched the scriptures. Yes, some of them were probably believers in the Old Testament sense, but here the New Testament started, and now they're hearing this as at Berea, and they want to know if it was right. So searching the scriptures, they did. They went, what scriptures did they have? Well, they didn't have the New Testament. It wasn't written. It wasn't given yet. But they had the Old, they had the old Testament. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> Proverbs 2 and verses, well, just briefing over a couple of them. <laughs> my son, if thou receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that <clears throat> thou incline, <clears throat> incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hidden treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and, the, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of the mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to those who walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. So there, when we search the scriptures, what do we find? We find wisdom. We find understanding. We find knowledge. We find God's paths and ways in our life. We understand his commandments. So there's many things that we get. We understand the fear of the Lord. We find the knowledge of God, as it's said in verse 5. There are some things when we search the scriptures that we find. <clears throat> Study the word. Young people, you say, oh, I can't study the word. I'm too young. Study the word. <clears throat> I know from personal experience as a young teenager, study the word. Spend hours studying the word. <laughs> we are three, three boys in one bedroom. They go to sleep and then I turn my torch on and study the word and read the word. I, I remember doing it <laughs> as a young, young person and had a desire for it. Who, when we search the scriptures, and we've answered this already, is the central figure, the Lord Jesus. He is the great mediator, 1 Timothy 2, 5, 1 John 2, 1 and 2. He is the perfect saviour, John 6, 37 to 40. He is the divine sacrifice, Isaiah 53 and Hebrews 9 and 10, 1 Peter 2, 21. He is the eternal son, eternal son, not born or begotten at some time. He is the eternal son. If you don't believe that, you're not saved. He is the great judge that will judge the world in righteousness with equity and there'll be no lawyers or solicitors or barristers to mess it all up. Huh. He is the perfect judge. And he is the coming conqueror. Huh. 
And you, you should be able to just go to the Bible. Uh, the, the conqueror, there, Revelation, Matthew, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. They should come to your mind, these scripture references. If you search the scriptures, you'll know about these. And he is going to come on a white steed from heaven's glory with a sharp sword proceeding out of his mouth. The word of God, of course. Piercing even to dividing asunder all that are living at that time when he comes. I pray that we are ready to meet him. So we are encouraged today to obey the Lord's commands. If we want our country to turn around and go in the right moral direction, we Christians, it starts here. It starts in your heart, in your lives. As we search the scriptures, obey his commandments and do his will. <clears throat> it's only the scriptures and through the scriptures that we can know the mind of God. We're not going to get a zap on the head and a lightning strike and a, and a revelation. The revelation's been given. They have the word. Let them read the word. Huh. Read the book. Understand it. Philosophy, science, and all these things will not show us who God is. They'll draw us to him to understand who made these things. If we learn of the Lord, we must <coughs> use his textbook, his Bible, as we said earlier. All, oh, no, we didn't. This is another one from Timothy, Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Get into the book. The best way for you to come to know God and for this church to have its effect that it should and for the world to change is you getting in to the Bible. Search the scriptures. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Lord, if we didn't have this book, we'd be like a ship at sea without a rudder or a mast. We'd be lost. We'd be doomed forever. And there are multitudes, billions of people that don't know the book, have not read the book, haven't even got a piece, a copy of the book, to the shame of the church. Lord, may we as Christians get right with you, not go out on a fling, and I'm going to tell everybody, get right with you and to know you then to go out. Search the scriptures and then go out and reveal the Saviour that we might be able to answer people with their questions. Give us humility and give us a desire in our heart to know you in an intimate relationship that's growing all the time until the grave. So when we see you, we'll know who you are and we'll say, my Lord and my God. Thank you, dear Lord, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>